Well, hello listeners and welcome to this bonus episode. This is Unpolished, set free from the constraints of the timer. This is Anita Wing Lee and myself, Dr. James Tyler Robertson, and we're going to unpack season one of Heavenly Minded, Earthly Good, Anita Wing Lee's Deconstruction. And I must tell you listeners right off the bat that we have begun this recording with Anita spilling water on the couch. Very disheartening. Welcome Anita to the final Unpolished of season one. Yay! Thank you so much for listening and for going on this journey with us. Man, what a what a trip um, to to put this out into green squiggly lines, which is what is which is what it looks like to me most of the time. And to you, it just looks like sound in your in your or it comes out as sound in your headphones. Um, Let's take some time and we're going to we're going to unpack more of the finale episode 11 where you heard from my mom and then we're going to get into some of the individual episodes and wrap the season up. That sounds like a wonderful and surprisingly polished way of going about this even though this is the great unpolished. So I want to agree with Anita listeners, thank you so much not just for listening and making the a podcast quote-unquote successful, uh, a word we'll return to a little bit later on as we parse out what that word actually means. But you know what? All the conversations I've had uh, via social media, in the hallways at Tyndale, uh, phone calls. So yeah, I'm deeply appreciated to, uh, to hear the different ways, or as Anita would say, to see through your ears the different, <laughs> the different ways in which Heavenly Minded Earthly Good Season 1 um, impacted you. That's been really wonderful. And stay tuned for the end of this, where we're going to talk about some future endeavors in the heavenly-minded, earthly good realm. But before we do that, Anita, I'm going to switch the tables on you. You have been, and I must say, I want to start with an acclamation, um, an affirmation, I guess I should say. Uh, you've been very raw, very honest, very candid with your journey. And on behalf of myself and listeners, I want to start off by saying thank you. This is a conversation we had in the early days. Uh, about you just being open and honest. And I think in doing that, you've created a brave space uh, for people to unpack their own struggles. So having said that, I'm not going to turn the tables on you. And you've been so great at sharing your stuff, but also interviewing other people. Let's unpack this final episode. Because i got to figure a lot of the listeners are coming in from episode 11, where you interviewed your mom. And it was so touching. And I'm still so moved by that. I'm actually... I'm weirdly emotional now, knowing that this is the last episode. So, yeah, I'm weirdly emotional. Listeners, Anita, you may see slash hear me cry. Let's see what goes on. But let's begin with your mom. So I guess for myself, as we're looking at and reflecting on episode 11, what's your relationship with your mom like now as, as you and I are talking in this moment? So I spoke to my mom last night. We video call a couple of times a week. Um, well, my mom has her own fan club. I like to tell her as a children's pastor, she's still very much like a child at heart. Um, and so she's very easy to talk to. <laughs> now she's easy to talk to. Um, and so I have a really great relationship with her and we do very much have a back and forth. Um, something I didn't get to share in the podcast is that as soon as I got the job at Catch the Fire and I found out it was a controversial church, um, 
people started asking me, oh, what do your parents think? Because my parents, um, my mom is a pastor in the Christian and Missionary Alliance. Um, and some other denominations have looked at the Toronto blessing as like this weird phenomenon that you should stay away from and that it's from the devil. Um, and so surprisingly, my parents were nonchalant about the fact that I ended up at the weird church. I think they were just happy that I was at a church. Um, and so um, and so my, my parent and what was interesting is during the time I started working at Catch the Fire, my mom's own denomination started incorporating more teachings about the Holy Spirit and the supernatural. Um, and, um, and so it, I thought it was very interesting how I was on this journey rediscovering God and the Holy Spirit. And my mom in her own church, completely apart from anything I did, was also learning about the Holy Spirit. And so right out of the gate, I saw that God had my mom and my parents on their own spiritual journey. And, um, and he was lining things up in their own way, in his own way. Um, my mom actually is also studying with the Chinese theological school that's housed inside, inside Tyndale. Um, so fun fact, we're going to graduate at about the same time, which is, which will be this, this spring or summer. Um, and so we've been studying for four years together at the same time. So she's very much been on her own journey. And so um, sometimes we'll have theological discussions about things. But most of the time, honestly, she's just my mom. She tells me to stay warm and make soup for me and, um, you know, tries to give me life advice um, that apparently never stops even when you become an adult. <laughs> and fun fact for the listeners, recently, I actually met Anita's mom. Now, were you to put me in a room with a thousand other people, I would have known it was Anita's mom the moment she walked into the room because uh, she is just as sweet and lovely in person as came through in episode 11. And I remember when she walked in the room, we were at a conference and Anita was on the other side of the room. I was sitting near the back and this woman walked in. And I was like, oh, <laughs> well, if that's not Anita's mom, that's Anita from the future, time traveling, who's come back into this room. So she is sweet and lovely. And it's really exciting because she was on campus studying, right? She was studying for something in her own degree. Yeah, I was at Tyndale for an event and she came along with me. We carpooled so that she could write her dissertation in the library. That's fantastic. You know, the I like the point. Um, that you brought up when you got hired by Catch the Fire. And pause for a second here for a shout out to Catch the Fire because they could have gone and perhaps been a lot more guarded uh, given that, of course, they know about their own somewhat quote-unquote controversial uh, history. But as uh, Tara Jean Stevens found out when she interviewed for her her podcast, Heaven Bent, uh, the, the leadership there uh, proved to be very gracious, very open, uh, very willing to communicate about their history, about their theology, their beliefs. So... Uh, kudos uh, to catch the fire for dealing with that. But you also brought up another point about that whole idea of like, oh, they're the weird church or the like literally people accusing them and, and what was going on there being from the devil. Now, I'd fall into the camp of it's definitely not my experience with Christianity, but to throw that that devil moniker around so loosely is so at best it's irresponsible. At worst, it's anti-Christ. And I think this this might form a segue into this, you know, episode by episode look at what we call deconstruction, which is a great word. We need to we need to hold on to that word, but also not be chained to that word, because you yourself have expressed the the numerous varieties of ways that this this journey has so far beyond deconstruction. But deconstruction gives us that good word into it. So 
are you okay if we just sort of jump into a few episodes? Because actually something about episode 11 reminded me of episode one. And perhaps this can be a somewhat polished segue into our episode by episode. What do you think? Let's do it. We, we've been at this a few times now. So sometimes it's harder for us to let things be messy. I thought you were going to reveal that we actually had a conversation about what we're doing right now (laughs) ahead of time. (laughs) No, totally unpolished. Uh, All right. So let's look, let's go back to episode one. We're going to reverse engineer this. We're going to Tarantino this and, you know, start at the end and work our way back to the beginning and the middle. But trust us, listeners, there's a story arc that's happening even in this unpolished. So episode one was called The Art of Throwing Rocks at God and not to dismiss other titles, but I thought this was a really good title. And I know Anita works really hard on the titles, probably too hard, some might say, but it's it's all been rewarded. And the art of throwing rocks at God was really, really important. But something about the, the episode 11, you're wrapping it up, conjured to mind something that Dr. Patrick Franklin said when we were discussing theology. And we'll come back to this again when we, we unpack, uh, I think it's episode four. But his his explanation of theology is a lot of people looking at it as like this there here's the answer this is the doctrine this is the formula i believe he uses like the idea of a mathematical formula but not understanding that what theology is is this sort of end result of these conversations these ideas these these deconstructions that are so rich in the experience and the context that to just boil them down to like, here's the sentence or the paragraph, or as you came into a test, the 800 page book does a tremendous disservice. It makes it somewhat less vibrant and less relevant in life. What are some of your thoughts? Like now that you've kind of gone through this journey, how, how's your understanding of theology changed? Yeah. So I guess this, this answer is going to wrap in a couple of episodes because let's talk about that good kind, rich, handsome painter. That That's the best analogy I have right now, because I think we all, maybe you've had that feeling of you meet someone who's just like, you're, they're so precious to you. Um, or maybe you long to meet someone like that. But I think that feeling of, um, and then Dr. Victor Shepard uses that analogy with his wife, right? Like I can describe someone, you know, and I, I, there's even a book written about Jesus. Um, and I know this is going to sound so cliche when I say, but do you actually know the person of Jesus? And, and, and that's how I think of it now. It's this, I'm not going to say that it's a living relationship. I'm going to say it's like an entire universe, right? It's like there's someone at the center of the universe whose mind and heart is so brilliant and so good and so loving that, you know, I could spend my whole life trying to understand it. And there's a Christian word for that, worship, apparently. But, you know, to stick with this analogy, it's like there's this whole universe and there's something at the center of it that's so beautiful that just keeps drawing me to it. But I can also like exist in this universe. And this universe involves people. It involves events of my life. It involves knowledge that comes in books, but it involves human experience. It involves nature. It involves art. It involves food, right? It's like, um, it really is like this huge paradigm shift. Um, it's like, you know, maybe you're, you're, we're living in a snow globe and we think our world is one way, but one day someone like cracks it open and fills it with a completely different kind of oxygen. And suddenly 
all the plants that you thought were weeds are actually like flowers that bear amazing food. Like your your whole universe is completely reoriented. Um, and so that's the closest. Or maybe it's like Narnia, right? I found the wardrobe to Narnia and and um another, I'm just gonna keep using this painter analogy for a little bit. Um, it's like when you meet someone like that it actually does change your world. You start to realize, oh, I lived so much of my life in fear because I, I didn't have a sense of security, but now I have this sense of security because um, I know someone who's genuinely looking out for me and whose who's love for other people and for me is so much bigger. And I just want to be a part of that world. And like, you know, that's why people want to get married. And so this... Um, so those are all metaphors and analogy for how I think of Christianity. Um, and so the idea of trying to distill Christianity or theology down to like, you know, these sentences in the Bible or this creed or like this is how you should dress at church. Um, those might be tiny threads in this universe, but the whole thing is so much more alive. And so that's why um, I found it quite fun one of the things to to put together into this podcast is to show you that like it wasn't just that I'm studying at Tyndale and and doing a master's of divinity it's also that like I worked in a church and there was this whole universe that came with that but then there was this whole series of events um that happened when with my life when I came back to Toronto and then before that there was this whole series of events it's like this multi-layered universe that keeps unfolding and keeps getting better. And anyone who plays video games or watches TV shows and gets sucked in and starts binge watching, like you understand why you stay on the couch and your eyes are fixed on the screen because something good is happening here that you want to keep being a part of. And I kind of feel like that's, um, you know, to put Christian language on it, it's something like if I keep fixing my eyes on Jesus and on and and in this this universe that now we call the Christian faith or Christianity, you know, but it's really about Jesus or about God, then um, then the rest of the world around me changes. And that's, that's the way I have to put it now. So that that is a lot of theology. And I love, and that's the other part that Dr. Franklin was talking about is these conversations around it. But I loved uh, what both Dr. Franklin was talking about, the throwing the rocks at God and sort of breaking down that, that blasphemous idea of what, sorry, the definition of what a blasphemous relationship with God would be like is that you can't question, can't do that stuff, definitely can't throw rocks. But then I loved, yeah, Dr. Shepard's analogy of just speaking about his wife. It's very easy. I can, I can list attributes, but I know her in exactly the place that I am different because I know her. And, and, sentences like that deserve to be in more theology books and frankly as a historian they are it's it's how people interpret them and and use them over time that gets watered down and sort of uh turned into well as we segue into the second episode uh one of my favorite historians just in his content and his name Yaroslav Pelikan has this great statement he says tradition is the living faith of the dead traditionalism is the dead faith of the living. And that gets us into episode two, the invisible grief and the hidden trauma. Because as you talk- <laughs> That was my computer and I was the person who was like, we need to mute our computers so we don't get the ding that happens when I an was, email comes in. I will just say this, vindication. <laughs> uh, all right, so invisible grief, well now that's proof positive that this is unpolished <laughs> for sure. 
so this maybe it's traditionalism. We don't want to sort of, you know, kick the church or badmouth the church. Frankly, it's just a little bit boring because a lot of people do. But maybe it's traditionalism. Churches that are invested in the traditionalism, in the this is what you have to be, this is what we have done, has produced a lot of trauma. And a lot of people who were raised in that, frankly, invested in that, and, and understood the world because of those teachings, and then encountered enough cognitive dissonance or enough struggles where what they've been taught didn't line up, that it creates a trauma. Um, and, and sort of walking through that. So that, that other episode where he got into talking with Lindsay Thompson, um, and, oh, Lindsay, Lindsay's a friend and just, I'm so proud of her and all the, uh, all the times she spoke in this, uh, in this season, um, just giving space for you to unpack some of your grief and your trauma. And for me, that seems to be one of the major threads throughout this whole season is you recognizing that, addressing it, um, looking at it really, and then moving through that. Do you see like, theology and this journey through some trauma is that part of the deconstruction thing just people becoming disillusioned and how can you possibly wake up once their illusion gets broken especially when it's something like the church what are your thoughts on that yeah absolutely i think as a culture we don't know how to sit with tough emotions or painful emotions or difficult ones and actually there's a lot of um neuroscience and psychology books that talk about even like our dopamine culture now, right? Instant gratification, like we're constantly looking for that. And so we don't know how to sit through when something hurts. And so it even took me like three years, even even now at this point in my program, I've read just registered for the last course of my MDiv. Um, I am a real student at Tyndale. And I decided to pick complicated grief. And I was like, this is kind of a sad way, anticlimactic way to end my MDiv, but it's probably going to be very fitting because I'm sure I have suffered through some or I am processing through some form of complicated grief. And for me, deconstruction is almost another way of saying you, we, some, like you, we, I have some kind of grief towards God and Christianity has like... Um, the culture that in what in the West has developed around it does not leave us any space to express our grief towards God. And it was actually a little snippet in um, a Bible picture dictionary I have. I had to, um, we were studying through the Old Testament. I actually wanted to include this in the podcast, but it didn't fit in, um, in any episode uh, to keep them from being like an hour and a half long. And um, so I'm writing this paper for Old Testament theology, and I'm we're reading about like Jeremiah, Lamentations, these books that are just like people pouring out their heart to God, so upset, very confessional. And so I, I go and I'm reading about um, this little description of what Lamentations is. And the author of this Bible dictionary, like I can still see where it is on the page because I read it like 10 times and highlighted it and told my class about it. He wrote about a theology of the heart and that God cares about our emotions and that he wants us to pour out our emotions to him and that he actually invited the Israelites. Um, the first time you're hearing about Israelites in heavenly minded, earthly good is at the very end. Um, uh, he actually, God actually invited and wanted the Israelites to like stay in the wilderness and experience their own grief and their own sense of loss that happened um, when God wasn't with them. They needed to live through that emotion so that the hope and the joy that they found in God was real. And so 
as I read that and I came to understand that God actually cares about how I feel and he wants to hear how I feel, right? And then through Sandra Hunt, my spiritual director, she named grief and um, I just started realizing that I'm allowed to have emotions and I have them very vividly um, as an Enneagram type four and type seven. And it, it really set me free to just be myself and to process my emotions and to go through that journey with God. It never happened all at once. It wasn't like one day I was like, I'm so upset at God and I just cried and bawled my eyes out and it was great. No, it was genuinely like this three to four year process that you heard about in this podcast tiny moments where something would hit me and then I'd sit there and be like god like I'm angry like I'm disappointed and 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 I'd journal or I'd talk to someone or Sonia Tetley my neighbor would come in or I'd talk to Sandra Hunt or I'd talk to friends or I'd read books over and over again I'd probably say this happened thousands of times to the point where um where I can talk about it on a podcast and not feel like I'm going to go home and cry. Like I might have a happy cry after this, but not a sad cry from, from, from the grief and from the drama. Mm. And I, I'd like to, um, in one of the episodes here to uh, Dr. No, Dr. Helen No. And actually this quote is in our, our title sequence too. And she does talk about the, the full, uh, orb the full scope of the human experience and i think that's so important for us to never forget that that anybody who is deconstructing or going through these things it is not as you say in the title in the title of this uh of the season it's not just an intellectual pursuit it it, it encompasses all aspects of our humanity our our bodies our 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 minds our emotions our lived experiences and I love what you said. I love it. You're right. It's time to bring in the Israelites because I mean, Israel, the word itself means wrestles or struggles with God. And this is what I love about the Hebrew scriptures is they canonized, they made sacred the wrestling with God. And I love this, the, the, the very earthy spiritual wisdom in that is that if you're mad at God, if you're sad at God, if you're railing at God, you're lamenting against God. Well, then you know you're in the presence of God. That's the only time you know if you're actually angry at God, you're in the presence of God. And if that's the case, then where you are right now is the most sacred place you can be. None of us should be ever wearing shoes when we're, when we're mad at God because we're on sacred ground. And that is such a powerful part that you're right, that if in the Christian church or the, the traditionalisms that we have, if there's not the space to be upset, that's akin to saying, there's no space in this faith tradition for you to actually be engaging with God, a living deity who understands disappointment, who, as we hear in later episodes, uh, walks with you, cries with you, suffers with you. And there is a rich tradition within Christianity of all those things. Great mystical leaders, men and women, who speak candidly and openly of their experience of suffering, um, bringing them so close to God. And as we get into this idea of spiritual but not religious, which coincidentally is the title for episode three, just anecdotally for myself, uh, I was in a profound um, personal and spiritual crisis years ago. And it was it, like I was wide open, like like a shotgun blast to the stomach. Like that's I just felt absolutely wide open, raw and in pain. And I remember driving. Uh, I live out in the country and I was driving. It was a beautiful day. It was near sunset. It's dusk. And I was just so hurt and simultaneously so at peace because I was praying so deeply. And this is another thing that your mom 
um, said that really resonated with me, actually maybe tear up a bit, was when she was so desperate and scared for you, she also felt the closest to God. And what a blessing that is. And as a parent, that's a hard thing to say. Like, oh, my child's in danger. What a blessing. Um, and for me, it was personal. <clears throat> Excuse me, I'm getting a little emotional. Um, the I remember actually praying this out loud. Uh, I remember asking God, I was like, don't let this end too soon because I love where I am right now. And that was a genuine prayer. And you're one of, well, six people to hear me actually say that. And depending on how many listeners are now, everybody knows it, but it's true. That was one of the truest prayers I ever prayed. And that brings us again to this spiritual, not religious, um, which brings in my dear friends, Sarah Wilkins Laflamme and Kevin Makins. And I loved Sarah's take on um, one, she's just so much fun. She's so smart. She's so engaging. She's great to talk about this sort of stuff. She's one of the, uh, the great academic friends that I'm happy to call a friend. And I love what she brought in with this idea of the, the spiritual, but not religious and the different ethics and worldviews that have proven to be not only a counter to the Christ, to some Christian narratives, but also in many ways in which we're seeing reflected in the lack of people going to church considered superior so is there anything about what Sarah said, like about their ethics around LGBTQ plus, um, um, around a whole variety of moral vices, immigration, um, you know, alcohol, like the idea that people are set free when they don't go to church that, you know, the old adage, I was blind, but now I see applies to people leaving the church and they feel people going in are blind. Was that ever part of your views on this? This one is so funny because now I feel like Oh, now I'm one of those crazy people. Like, I go to church voluntarily. Like, oh, man, I've even got the degree. Like, I cannot prove to anyone that I'm not a Christian. <laughs> I've got a podcast. I keep talking about Christianity. Um, what, do I, what do I do if I want to hang out with, like, my spiritual friends? Well, you know, one of whom I was just speaking on the phone with today. And personally... I would say that, like, what one of the things that has set me free is, like, Jesus did not come here to make us Christian. Um, Jesus was not, quote, unquote, Christian. And Christian is not, you know, getting a getting a master's degree, becoming a pastor, and going to church, and taking getting baptized, and wearing your Jesus cross. Like, that is not what it means to be a Christian. Oh, man. That was the podcast in 16 words. Sorry to, <laughs> you had to listen to 11 episodes to get there. But no, um, I think, I think there's something really beautiful that there are people in this world now that are exploring spirituality. And they don't want some of the traditionalism that comes from Christianity, but they're clearly looking for something. And because of my journey, I do have a lot of compassion for that for for those people because I was one of those people and a part of me still is one of those people I've mentioned throughout this podcast like I don't think of it as deconstruction because I think of it as like I am a spiritual seeker who's on this journey of discovering the truth living in the goodness the beauty and the holiness of what it means to be alive and for me right now the Christian faith and the way it explains the world um, it's drawing me closer to the truth do I think I have the definitive religious or spiritual truth in my head or in my heart right now? Of course not, because um, it's evolved and it changed so much. And I think if people are genuinely um, living out their spiritual faith in a some kind of higher power, 
Uh, this is another topic we didn't get to include, but maybe we'll talk about in season two. We'll talk about that later. You weren't supposed to talk about season two yet. <laughs> but it's world religions, right? And it's all these other spiritual paths. So um, I, when people get really strung up on like, oh, are you in? Are you out? Does it fit? Like, um, you know, can you go to yoga if you're a Christian? We're not going to get into that right now. But these are these are things that I feel that as, as I walk on this journey with God, he gives me like the day by day, week by week, year by year discernment for what I feel like is his heart. And I did do a lot. I did write papers. I did take a course on world religions, a whole other topic I didn't get to fit into this episode. But that was one of the things that actually gave me a lot of peace that God is working in people who are on quote unquote spiritual journeys. And God is also working in the lives of people who are um, religious, religious and extremely devout about it. Um, and I am somewhere in the middle. Um, I probably lean a little bit more on the like spiritual seeker side, but obviously I've gotten an, like a degree now, <laughs> um, that would make it really easy for me to call me a, uh, this is a weird thing to say, like a professional Christian. Um, but honestly, I'm I'm just a person that's after the good, the beautiful, and the holy. And God has placed me in a in a faith that we call the Christian faith, and I'm okay walking along along it because I'm finding more of what is good and beautiful and holy. And I mean this first half of the season was sort of like we said opening up the tabs and the second half you kind of started finding some landing places but I found uh, Kevin Makins what he said about uh, hello Kevin um, and I think we see that in the second half and just in the conversations that you know I've had is this idea of yeah you can get the doctrine you can hear the stories and we have to be honest Christianity is a wild story. It seems very unlikely, very implausible. Never mind the fact that it is one of the foundations of Western society for sure. But the idea that a Jewish peasant 2,000 years ago was summarily executed and murdered by an oppressive regime that no longer exists somehow impacts whether or not I should go to that movie or do yoga is wild and weird until you walk it. And I liked, Kevin really sort of opened me up. He's like, there's a sense of like, you can get the doctrines, but that's all you're going to get. You can get the arguments, but that's all you're going to get until you start actually walking with Jesus. Because and it was a good point. The church is going to be lame compared to the quote unquote distractions of the world. We're not going to do it as well. And that's something we need to embrace. And I have a wonderful friend. Her name is Paula. And uh, we're in a small group that is much more akin to a church than a small group. And she said something when she was sort of explaining one of the conversations we had to somebody outside. And she's like, you know, I can give you the words, but unless you're there, I can't really share the story. And I love that. You can have the words, but what you really need is the story. And speaking of stories, here's a good segue. The nerd in me. Oh, I apologize, listener, if you can hear the very loud cars that are going around, <laughs> going on around us. Anita and I are sitting in traffic doing this. Um, when theology meets Marvel. You inspired the comic book nerd in me in this multiverse of madness. How did you demystify theologies? You're starting to kind of get into the second half. And do this one because we got, I want to get to episode five really. Now I have a confession to make. So I need to keep, we'll keep this quick. I 
am not into the MCU, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Oh, I have boy. not watched most of those movies. Oh, Heavenly Minded, Earthly but, Good will no longer be here to listen to. This is over. But I used that analogy because I know people who are into it. And for them... It really is a universe. And that's why even earlier I mentioned, I'm like, Christianity is like this huge universe. And clearly we humans have this appetite for universes other than our own. And um, and we look for heroes and we look for salvation and we look for miracles and we look for superpowers. And why do we do that? Well, there's also, you know, there's the MCU and there's also the Bible has some really weird stuff that happens in it. And there's also a big global fan club for the Bible. Um, and so and so theology for me, seeing it as like the rules of the universe has really set me free. Like there, I still sometimes will open up books or I think back to that course. I'm like, I simplified all of my theological education into this phrase, the rules of the universe. What are the rules of the universe? What are the rules of the Christian universe? And one big thing I learned in, in my studies is that there are people that can take one thread. So let's just say even Jesus is the son of God. Like there are thousands, thousands, or, you know, maybe Dr. Robertson can say like tens of thousands. There's so many people who have deconstructed that one sentence and written books upon books up, and lots of theories and theologies about how to make sense of Jesus as a son of God. Or how do you make sense of the Holy Spirit? Or how do you make sense of the Trinity? And you can go down these really deep rabbit holes trying to sort that out. Um, or you can create a podcast about your story <laughs> trying to sort it out. And so um, I think when it's time for me to go into those deep ends and sort those things out, I will. Um, but I've also come to realize uh, one of the things that was freeing about studying in seminary was just realizing like, I'm never going to make it through all of those 800 page books. Some people are called to, um, and they'll read all of those thinkers that go back in all that time. And like Dr. Robertson is one of those people who's kind of de dedicated his life to teaching and exploring some of that, the history of Christianity. But even if I was like, I just want to know this, I'd want to get to the bottom of this. Even if I did it every single day until I was 80, I still wouldn't get to the bottom of it. And so realizing for me that God is going to lead me to what I need to know, he's going to call me to become a student and to learn things and humble me in different ways when there are certain things that I need to learn. And then and in other times when I don't know the whole picture, when I'm like, I'm not really sure if the sun is going to rise tomorrow, but I'm like 99% sure that's okay. You know, and I'm not... Like, am I 100, 100% sure that um, Jesus is the son of God? And maybe I should be careful about what I say here. But like, do I really know that the sun is going to rise? Well, like, it, to me, it's one of those, like, how much is it about my certainty? And how much it is, is it about my quote unquote faith? And how am I going to live? Um, and what allows me to live the most meaningful, good, giving life? Is it like, sitting on the 1% fear that the sun won't rise, sitting on the 1% fear that like God, Jesus might not be the son of God and maybe I'm really fooled and I'm just like wasted a year of my life. I don't know, maybe not, but apparently everyone else thinks the sun is going to rise and there's a, a good couple billion people on earth that think Jesus is the son of God and some of those people are crazy and some are not, but like 
God calls each of us and pulls different strings and and we all understand the MCU slightly differently, um, but we're, we're all on this journey of being called deeper into the story. And so personally, I've just chosen to spend a little bit more, more time in the Jesus universe than in the MCU. I'm not going to say anything on that. <laughs> um, are you guys, is everybody ready for me to blow your mind? The sun doesn't actually rise. We rotate to face it and see it more. And I think that is actually, that's, that's me being a little sciencey for you. Woo-hoo. It's always nice when a social scientist can be actual scientists. Um, but I think actually that communicates a deeper point. Our understandings of Jesus are, they make sense. The sun will rise. Yep, that makes sense. We can all agree with that. When, of course, that's actually not an accurate description of what's happening. It's the earth will rotate. And, uh, and I think that actually unpacks some of our understandings and hopefully brings us to a little bit of humility, but our own understandings of Jesus will be true ish, true adjacent, not harmfully wrong, all that sort of stuff. Uh, and, and hopefully invites us into these deeper understandings, which again, I can't stress this enough, can be what deconstruction is for those who stay in the church. For those who leave the church, for those who find other paths, these are really good conversations to have as long as we're having them in loving and supporting ways. And I know that sounds a little um, uh, pie in the sky, but one of the things I've noticed as I've listened over this is I say, oh, I love this a lot or I love that a lot. And at first I felt bad. I'm like, I'm cheapening the word love. But then I was like, actually, no, I just have a very love filled life. And, and so I don't think this pie in the sky stuff is pie in the sky. I actually think it's very rooted in what Jesus was always talking about, what the great Christians have always been talking about. This thing is about love and love can't help but produce freedom, healing, protection, et cetera, et cetera, on and on. It becomes this beautiful space. As long as we don't come out of that, like you said, in that 1% of fear, then anybody questioning or heaven help them walking like you are into a different spot becomes immediately a threat an outsider a foreigner and i mean one of the great descriptions in the book of revelation of of the new jerusalem is a city without any gates uh, because it doesn't need to be protected it's wide open it's always protected there's no force that can come against it and that brings us into a really important part of traditionalism and this was inspired by my my most chronologically enduring friend, Lisa. I'm not allowed to call her my oldest friend. She finds that offensive to both herself and myself. (laughs) And she will be offended on my behalf. But my dear friend, Lisa, whom I've known since we were knee high to a grasshopper, I called her up during the pandemic and she's like, hang on, I'll call you back. I just added, and I don't even remember what it was called, but it was like a dry shampoo. She was doing something with her hair. And I was like, what is that? She's like, oh, it's just something I add to my life to add to the crushing weight of being a woman. And I mean, I laughed, but it's like one of those, <laughs> oh, and it was just so quick. And it's very much speaks about her personality. But this episode five, and I find episode five and episode six for me personally, are some hinge episodes that are taking on some very heavy issues and simultaneously finding some landing spaces by addressing these. Um, and that's all I'm going to say. So your thoughts on you know the weight of a woman and then let's let's go into the interview with Tara Jean Stevens so it's fitting that you you call this a heavy issue because i think what helps me navigate now being being a christian woman <laughs> that's a weird thing for me to say but anyways 
<laughs> what has kept me walking in this path or what I like to say, hanging out in Christian circles, um, hanging out with the kingdom people on my journey into the light is that I don't feel that heaviness and I don't feel that weight anymore. There was times when I did and I would be really annoyed and sometimes it'll, things will happen, you know, news will come out about someone or something um, names will not be named here, but, uh, and sometimes there are things that make me angry or I'll walk into situations and I, and you can see instantly see the advantage that being a man, usually a white man has in a situation, but this podcast and some of the stories I've shared here have been really solid in my face examples of God telling me, look, I've got this Anita. It is not on you to pave the way for all women in the world. Um, I am really grateful that I'm studying and working with an institution that acknowledges women in leadership. And same thing, I just so happen to end up in a church that acknowledges couples in leadership, um, which uh, I've it isn't doesn't happen everywhere. Um, even my own mom, she only became an ordained minister in the last couple of years because her denomination finally allowed it. But she was a pastor for almost 20 years. So, you know, this is not an old issue. This is something that's still currently evolving. And sometimes, you know, things will come up that will get under my skin or you hear comments that other people will make to other of my um, like female Christian friends. And you're just like, oh, men like that or people like that still exist. And it, it makes you want to vomit a little and, you know, move to another country. But thankfully, and I would call this a grace of God, like I don't feel that heaviness anymore. And the way that I live day to day, um, I'm really grateful that God has put good mentors and good leaders in my life. And I trust that in God's own way, um, if that he will keep building me up and building my character and training me to be a leader in the world if that's what he wants or, you know, continue to be a voice in media if he wants. Um, and so it is a weight, though. And I want I did this that particular episode to acknowledge that there are other issues that women also face that maybe we'll explore that I hope we will we will explore in the future. Um, but um, if you are a female and you're listening to this and you know exactly what I'm talking about, you know that feeling of like walking into a church and um, like there is there's like so little acknowledgement of um, or or maybe you even just feel there's like this invisible spiritual burden that you carry. I really invite you. There's some amazing books. Um, there's one called Jesus Feminist. It's a pretty quick read that helped me. And once I read two or three of those, I felt like God was just like, I got this. Like, you don't need to carry this weight. There's other women um, and men in the world who are doing their part to um, to remind us that we are, like, number one, first and foremost. We are all equal as children of God. And, uh, and so, yeah, I invite you, if this is something that you face, to, to read books, to explore, to figure out where you stand on this issue. Um, and, and then to have compassion on people. If you're a man listening to this, um, I invite you to think about if God is calling you to, um, to help the weak and the marginalized. I'm not saying all women are weak, but you know what I mean, right? People who 
have to suffer more and carry carry heavy burdens, heavier burdens than others. Like we should all be doing that. So there are times where I do feel God tell me to speak up and stand up and do things to pave the way for other women, um, older or younger than me, um, because because I am not afraid to speak. So um, this is something we are all called to be um, as as people of God. I loved um, Dr. Beth Green, Dr. Marilyn Draper. Uh, Dr. Beth Green is my boss, and so I can speak from personal experience what a, what a great leader she is. <laughs> this is going to sound like brown nosing, but it's not meant to be. But what a great leader she is, how intelligent, capable, strong, um, and engaging, and, and aware of a lot of stuff, and, and the things that uh, she put into that episode. And then Dr. Marilyn Draper's, um, that wonderful arc she did in this episode, uh, talking about the women in God's story, and just reminding us that the male perspective is, or what we might call today now the patriarchy, is the backdrop of the Bible, but it is not the message of the Bible. And the women being included in that cannot be overlooked, especially in this day and age. But this applies to all days and all ages. We just have no say over over the past can do. But speaking of which, the uh, if you want a good historical look at that, there's a book called Daughters of the Church, and it's a great survey of of women who have been influencing Christianity because spoiler alert, women have been influencing the development of Christianity from the get go. In case you forgot the first ones to witness the resurrection and the beginning of this thing we call Christianity were drum roll, please women in Jesus ministry. And that is the segue into episode six with the dear prophetess, Tara Jean Stevens. I cannot recommend, um, <laughs> excuse me, Heaven Bent Enough uh, as a three-season podcast. Currently, whenever you're listening to this, it's it's three seasons right now, and it is fantastic because it is fair, it is funny, it is well-researched, and she's great at the job. And then just her own willingness to share her story from a place of profound um, grace and mercy to talk about how much she misses the church culture in which she was raised. But again, that the power of this cognitive dissonance, the idea of like what she was raised in versus what she experienced at some point did not line up. And what I've said so many times, what I want my history classes to do is to allow people the space to look at it, but also recognize those who are concerned about who were quote unquote losing in the church. Um, remember the movie Titanic, you know, a ship can take on a lot of water. Uh, but when the guy's describing, like he's got the the blueprints out there, it's like when the water gets over this wall, and then when the water gets over that wall, that's it. There is no stopping it. And the one person says, well, surely the Titanic can't sink. And he's like, oh, it's made out of metal. Rest, I can guarantee you it will sink. And that's that cognitive dissonance. And it's not one thing, it may not even be 20 things, but it's enough things, enough experience, and more importantly, being in a community that gives you space to have these questions, that can, sometimes you change your mind and then leave. Sometimes you leave and then the new people that come into your life help you reform what you were thinking before. Both of those have their have their merits. So listening to Tara Jean Stevens, uh, this incredible broadcaster, and switching up the, the format of that episode, I thought was really, really powerful, letting her speak very, very clearly. Because that's another thing we didn't want to do on this podcast was put words into other people's mouths. We want you have space to do your journey, but also let other people explain their thoughts on these issues. And Tara Jean Stevens eloquently and beautifully and powerfully communicated her own journey. And uh, she's wonderful. And I'm very happy to call her a friend. Yeah, this interview with Tara Jean's is so precious. And I'm so glad we 
we included her in this. And I think her voice is really important because I can really relate to her. And I understand, like you heard in the story, her trauma is way more severe than what I experienced. And we know from headlines these days, there are people that experience like really are really, really hurt by the church or people who lead churches. Um, we should probably say that because it's ultimately the humans and it's not the entire body of Christ. Because um, even I can think of there were there were good people in my church, and even when there were things um, that I processed as hurt, uh, and so I hope this this particular interview just um, invites us all, reminds us all to have compassion for people on their journey wherever they are. You know, if you have friends who were Christian and seem like they're departing, and um, it can be easy to freak out, but you're probably better off just being a loving presence and a listening ear in their journey. Because um, I probably did this the wrong way where I just cut off all of my Christian friends from that chapter. Um, so as of now, even like from high school onwards, um, I haven't kept in touch with any of those people. And that's probably something I could do something about um, <laughs> for another chapter of my life. But that was the only way I knew how. I, I didn't feel like I could speak to anyone about it. And um, But if you're able to sustain a friendship with that person, like it could be decades. It could be never. Um, and I don't even want to use the term like when they come back to Christianity. I think God is still guiding them. I know that when I left the church, um, I could see on the outside that it looked like I was being rebellious. But in my heart, I was genuinely looking for the truth. And I genuinely felt that the version of the truth I had been taught in my Christian church was not the whole truth. And I needed to go find it. And I thought I'd find it at Hillsong and that door closed. So I started looking for it, you know, on mountains in Hawaii and elsewhere. Um, but Tara Jean Stevens and anyone who's on that journey, like when I look at how Jesus would walk with them, as Helen No says in the last ones, like, Jesus just weeps with them. Like he sees their pain. We might not see their pain, but I am a thousand percent convinced that anyone who um, steps out, who who was a part of a, a you know, loving-ish Christian community and chooses to step out, it's it's not just, uh, there's something that happened and, uh, and maybe they'll never talk about it and they just need to, they need a lot of time to process it. Or maybe they'll figure it out in like three, four months or three years and, and then they'll have a fresh love for Jesus. We just don't know. Or maybe they'll, like, the journey of life is so long. And you even heard from my mom. And my parents actually have lots of stories of this, being pastors of, like, we just don't know where God is leading people. But I am a thousand percent convinced that God is still with those people. Um, even if they don't call him God, um, they're still finding enough hope in life to keep living. So that's something. And um, if anything, they just deserve our compassion and our prayers and our love, just like everyone else and just like you and me. And just like people who never deconstruct. Everybody's just deserving prayer, love, grace, mercy, all those things. If only Jesus had talked about those in multiple different ways, through multiple different stories. And maybe if he just actually embodied it somehow on some very grand scale like oh i don't know a crucifixion or something yeah he's uh he's pretty powerful and pretty clear about that if only he'd given us some more commandments oh wait he did uh what was it uh judge one another no it was love one another yeah that was always fun 
All right, so episode seven, For the Love of Idols, or the other title, Side Hustles and the Idols of Success. Two titles that Anita could not quite get rid of because she liked them both so much. <laughs> oh my goodness, this this keeps developing. Uh, this, yeah, the, the one that always sticks out for me in this one is, there's two things. Jesse um, uh, refusing to exploit you for the advantage of, of the program and giving you, again, a brave space just to be who you are. Um, but also the painful um, self-revelation that you wanted to be bigger, shinier, so that people would love you. And I think for me personally, this was the episode where you were hitting the landing spaces. And it was like, that's the big one. It has nothing to do with digital content, podcasts, blogs, Instagram, social media, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That can all be, that's fine. That's just a tool. Um, it was you being set free from... Well, I think in the in the show notes you say like workaholism, but it's just a deep insecurity that unless you're producing something, unless you're showing a literal facade, a fake face out there, then you actually have no merit. Unless Anita is Anita Wing Lee, there is no real Anita that matters. And this is the first and most painful step because especially in the West, we are all so much, we judge ourselves so much on what we can produce and how quote unquote successful we can become. And how many people know our names or how up in the field we are. Um, and then, of course, there's also people, and this is going to be a tricky one, because there's also people who like, what a good parent they are. And that one's really, really tricky to sort of untangle this. Like, what is going on here? What is this external validation that we are all craving? And this was the episode that sort of put me back on my heels of being hyperproductive and and having it be a reward. And, uh, and recognizing is like, no, I am... I'm good just where I am. It was the beautiful Henry Nowen who said, your only name is Beloved. That's it. There's no Anita Wingley. There's no James Tyler Robertson. Your name is Beloved. This is the name in the book of life. And I thought that was so powerful because it was so simple. And it came from his own struggles to recognize no matter what I do, no matter how much I accomplish with all the the letters before and after my name, what, what a tome my tombstone could be. It could be a big obelisk that's eight feet tall to list all my accomplishments. At the end of the day, when God looks at you and says, beloved, all other titles, all other quote unquote accomplishments just fade away. Having said that, uh, it'd be nice to go to Guatemala. <laughs> yeah, right. The danger of going to Guatemala and going on vacation and like, do you Instagram that or not now? Oh, we should mention that this episode is sponsored by the Tourism Board of Guatemala. So maybe saying the danger of Guatemala is, is not something our sponsors are like. Just kidding. We have no sponsors other than Tyndale University, Distributor Learning. This episode is a long time coming. I think I always had a hunch with what I was doing, putting myself online, but um, like I started blogging when I was 21 and, and it was a way to process and it was a way to find community. It did a lot of things that met like real psychological and emotional needs I had, but it came with this dark side of like, well, then you can believe that that's who you are or that becomes a real part of your identity. And the world that we live in now, it is really quite, uh, messed up sometimes, um, and I have had to think about this a lot because obviously I still work in digital content. And so I still work in this universe that is about, um, well, I was going to say projections, but I'd like to believe that there's something real in this podcast. It's not just a projection. 
So I think what's an important for for each of us and what I hope you got from this episode is um is this reminder that it's very easy to take something and make it the center of your life. And uh and the, in this episode that word idols, I just felt like oh my goodness, I've been hearing about golden calves and idols since I was like four years old and I'm only getting it now. Um, But it meant so much more because I really saw it. And it was one of those moments where like a platitude of Christianity of like, you know, you should only be worshiping God. um, It became real because I saw how if I didn't have something or someone like Jesus or God at the center, absolute center of my life, I would pick other things and I have picked other things. And it's not that those other things like social media or fitness um, or relationships, it's not that those things are bad, but when they are the center of your life, we start withering away. I really, I often remind myself of the analogy, like we think, um, We are these like amazing strong plants. And so let me put like multivitamins in me. Let me put like the best productivity hacks and read the the latest New York Times bestseller. And I'm going to become this super plant and bear super fruit. Um, And then I'm going to get the super award and get a promotion and on we go. But really, I'm a pea plant and I will fall. I'm I'm sorry, you're what? (laughs) Oh my gosh. (laughs) Like snow peas, okay? Like beans. (laughs) I did not see us going in that direction. Okay, like, continue. Sorry. Like, okay, Sorry. gardening here, people. I, I'm i like a thin plant that if I don't have a string to climb up on, I will fall down. And, and there's no shame in admitting that. Like the world tells us we got to be strong. We got to be independent. And I believe that. And I lived like that. But it's actually the safest place for me is admitting that I am weak and that I'm going to fall off. <laughs> I'm going to fall down over and over again unless I build my life, unless like a plant that climbs a vine, I climb up and up on the strongest string or pole I know, which is Jesus, which is a life based on Jesus's love and a life transformed by Jesus. Um, do I know where it's going to lead? No, because again, I'm only in my early 30s, but I do know that like I look ahead to what what is in front of me, and if I and I, and something in me just tells me that that's a better way to live. And so this was a decision point. Um, this episode was like chronicling that invisible decision point too, because like even Jesse didn't see it. He was the one in the call, but it was me looking at my own two hands and and being like oh, like this is what I've done. It really is. Sometimes it really is that simple. You really are straight up following God or not. And so, yeah, I finally admitted it to myself. And that's, that really did start to set me free. It didn't, it took, um, I'm still on a journey of learning what it looks like to live my life. And obviously I still work, I still produce. Um, but to do that in a way where I am living my life as the beloved. So in even as you said that, Jamie, the word beloved has been a theme for me for a number of years. And it just makes me ponder more of uh, like, that is how I want to live my life. Because I, if I don't, it's way too easy for me to go back to my Instagram profile and change my bio. But, um, but no, like God sees me as his child and um, Jesus sees me as his redeemed and his beloved. And why do I even care what anyone on social media or why do I care what anyone thinks if the king of the universe sees me as his daughter? 
well, there's so many deep psychological reasons why we care whatever other people think, but this is uh, important. And again, a good resource or a good spiritual sort of time with this is to is is actually to read Henry Nouwen's Prodigal Son is a beautiful one. I'm looking at this picture of uh, Rembrandt's painting of that, and that uh, forms a backdrop for Henry Nouwen's beautiful book on the ability to wander away and come back and the graciousness of God. And whether or not you're living like the beloved, I think that's the other big point that we can always sort of fall into is like, I want to live like the beloved and you, you just are beloved, however you choose to live. And that can be a scandalous thing for, for a lot of us to sort of embrace because how far does that idea identity of beloved extend to whom does it extend? Uh, is it people just like us, people that think like us and, um, it's lovely to walk, listen, observe, almost get like front row seats uh, to you unpacking this stuff and walking through this stuff. And it, and I love because it brings up so many questions in my own life, brings up so many questions like, yeah, but, and, and having to live out just uh, in, in our friendship, um, like let Anita be Anita, see Christ in Anita, which is the more important, the most important thing is to recognize that, that Christ dwells in you. And, and has, as with all things Christ related, has so much potential to teach and to grow and to express love and vulnerability and to connect us as people. And I just want uh, more people to recognize the rich um, history of literature and lives lived that express and communicate that because I think it would actually help a lot of people to heal from the trauma of within the church, without the church, whatever, recognizing that there is a profound disappointment for many of us when we we get this unshakable sense that life should somehow be better. Now, a lot of the time that's very self-centered, but not all the time. And like I said, even those who are our quote unquote spiritual rivals or foils or enemies, if we want to use that word, um, offer to us so many gifts, so much um, mercy if we can recognize that when somebody we know is is does not necessarily have our best life in store for us the wisdom they give us we can be like oh okay so that person who i know has these sorts of sensations or beliefs about me is counseling me to go this way i'm gonna try going the opposite way and then all of a sudden even even enemies even uh, rivals even foils become so powerfully helpful and become the voice of God to us as well. That that actually gives us a space to say, oh, now I see why Jesus says something as controversial as love your enemies. Not just because they contain the image of God, but there are people out there who are going to be against you, who are going to be foils to you. Um, but that does not mean that you shut them off. Uh, enemies and foils can be profoundly useful because you can almost go, I'll go the opposite direction. And there, that was God speaking to me as well. So even that church community you're growing up in, we none of us are just coming at things when we deconstruct. And I think this is what a lot of people, what we have to always remember. When you deconstruct, you're not giving yourself a blank slate. You're taking down material you're handed and you're ripping it down. But you're still going to use that material. And you'll grab other stuff as well. But you're still going to use a lot of that material to build something new. So you are building on something that was there before. You're not going down to the foundation. You're not going down to the basic level. You're building something on. You maybe took down a couple floors, but that's really, really powerful. And that's really exciting because then again, those people that you were trying to get away from actually become a weird gift. And that is how to start healing, <gasps> which is coincidentally the title for episode eight. How did I do that? 
And this one brings in two of my favorite people, Lindsay Thompson and Sandra Hunt, your spiritual director. But enough about that. Let's move on to episode nine. Just kidding. All that healing done. You're going to hear, sorry, I'm going to talk over you. You're going to hear a click, click in the background because I'm going to turn on some lights because the sun's starting to yeah. set. It's getting dark. We're starting to be sitting in the dark as we talk about this. Um, how to start healing. You know, I was going to call this just like something about healing. But I was like, the reality is that everyone's healing journey takes so many routes, right? You heard a little bit of Tara Jean Stevens healing journey. Um, and there are so many different facets of this. I, I, I broke it down into a couple of things that were meaningful to me. But I think, you know, even my own big, big takeaway, you know, from uh, a deconstruction journey or a healing journey, I would say is give yourself time. Because you don't even know what's inside you. Like, I don't even know entirely everything that I processed. When I spoke to my spiritual director, Sandra Hunt, about, you know, and it was really fascinating to listen to her name things, what she picked up on in my journey. Because I picked up on different things and other people have picked up on other things. And, and books highlight certain things. Courses highlight certain things. Friends highlight certain things. And, and I really do believe that every day of this journey has counted. Um, like I'll give you a, a, an interesting example in a number of the courses I had to take for my, um, divinity degree, I thought they were totally useless and a waste of time. And I just feel like, uh, like even that, you know, the paper about lamentations in Jeremiah, I told you I was writing, but there was a moment when I was writing that where I just got like hit with a thunderbolt of like, Oh, this is speaking to me. Like this is healing a part of me. Um, I was, um, I was doing this passage in Jeremiah 5 where uh, God is challenging Jeremiah and I can't remember the exact verse and I didn't prepare this so I don't know it. Shame on you. No, this podcast is not about shaming. Uh, we will cancel that in Jesus' name. <laughs> wow. <laughs> uh, this is our last chance. Um, and I remember it speaking directly to me because it was like about uh, how... If you can't keep up with um, men, how can you keep up with horses? And I just felt God challenged me. Like, here you are. You're trying to race with men. You're trying to always, like, be better, faster, sharper than other people. Not in, like, an explicitly competitive way, but it was an underlying. It came from a deeper insecurity. And so I'm writing this paper. It's just about Old Testament theology, but God totally, like, hit me in the heart with it and reminded me that, like, you need, you don't need to try so hard, Anita. Like what Jamie was saying, like, why don't you just like embrace the goodness of your life here? And so I invite you to give yourself time and to not rush. Um, I just had the sense when I first came back here that I, I really felt like an ice cube that was thawing, but like not thawing in a tropical, on a tropical beach. I was like in an ice cube. Um, I just had so much hurt, so much fear, so much like uncertainty. I had no idea about all this God stuff, but God brought me back and like, oh, great. Now I'm working in the institution that has traumatized me, which is a church. And so I just knew that it was going to take time and that there were still good things here and I was alive and it was really like baby steps. And so to get to a point here where I can talk about a lot of it with like clarity and with, um, with, with joy and with and laugh about things and reflect on things um that has been a long journey and it's 
and it's a good one. And so I would, I just, yeah, I would invite you to give yourself time, even if your parents or someone is hovering over your back and trying to be like, well, why don't you just read this Timothy Keller book and sort yourself out? You know, you just got to read uh, Rick Warren one more time. Like, you know, just like memorize another 10 Bible verses. Like, you know, that doesn't work. I know that doesn't work when you're in that space. So, um, and Jesus knows that doesn't work. And so, um, but I would, what I would invite you to do is not run away from your pain um, and not drown it out by picking another addiction. And these are just words, but you know what that is for you. Like I knew what that would be for me. And one of those would have been social media and just to keep producing and producing content for free because now I was getting paid for it at a job. And so it was really clear to me if I'm doing the same work I'm getting paid for and then I'm going home and doing it again, like what are you doing, Anita? And so um, letting yourself undergo that process and obviously seeking help um, in different ways, uh, whether it's spiritual direction or therapy or like, honestly, I started watching a therapy YouTube channel recently and it's been so helpful. So like look for resources um, and and there's no shame. <clears throat> there's no shame in, that, in being like, I need time to sort myself out and this can't be rushed. <laughs> you literally just pointed a finger and yelled out the word shame. <laughs> Um, yeah, and this is great because I love, I love seeing generational differences uh, between you and I, cause I am fabulously older than you are. Um, because there's parts in that, that I, that I don't agree with. And I think it's, it's fantastic because there's a sense of, again, I'm not right and you're not wrong. It's, it's a different generational thing. I would never look to technology to be the, the, a solution to what I'm doing. And I think there's there's some balance in that because Sandra Hunt, and as we point out in in the episode too, if you get the opportunity to be part to be with a spiritual director, do it. Wherever you're gonna end up, have that place to unpack that's that is more akin to a counselor than just a, a quote unquote church friend or something along those lines. And for me, the the drive is always like community is so important. Community is everything. Who you surround yourself with will become a large part of, of your identity and surrounding yourself. Uh, with people who are invested in you, invested in who you are now, who you're going to be tomorrow, and who you were yesterday is just everything. And and the idea of doing a YouTube, do you say counselor or psychologist or? It's a therapy YouTube channel. Therapy, thank you. See, look. She gives you these amazing tips. I'm sure you're right. I am absolutely sure. Like <clears throat> You're listening to a podcast. <laughs> I'm well aware of my own hypocrisy in this moment. And that's why I, I, I don't mean that as a, like a facetious way or anything like that. I genuinely mean it's so fun to be Gen X talking to, what are you, a millennial? I don't know. You're a millennial. I, and I love it because there's differences there. There's And it's just it just boils down to life experience and when you were born. So I don't put any more stock in it than that. But it is it is a fun way to sort of look at like who are these conversations for? What is going on here? And one of the things I've been most excited about is that Heavenly Minded Earthly Good, I've heard from people, and we were talking about this before, that I would not have expected would one, listen to this, and two, would benefit from this. And so I'm a historian. Time periods, epochs, generations, all this sort of stuff does play with worldviews and understandings. And I love it. And I'm open for it. And I mean, I belong to the slacker generation. So there's always a sense that we were never going to do anything. And then people dump all over the millennials and whoever's after the millennials now is it Gen Z? Gen Z. Gen Z. Yeah. And that's not fair. And 
it, they're always going to do something different than the people that came before. That is part of it. That is, I'm going to sound like a broken record. That is what we're talking about when you talk about deconstructing. It's not just faith. Obviously, we're taking the faithful, faith focus, but it's taking the inherited stuff that your parents or elders gave to you and saying, okay, but also living the world that, and the life that you want to live and say, like, that doesn't work and having to take that off. And it's incumbent upon those of us who are older to have faith like your mom did and be worried and be nervous, but also say, listen, you've got to go out and find this for yourself because what's going to come back will be more authentic, will actually be you. And some of it's going to be like very reassuring for your mom. And some of it's going to be very concerning. That's okay. At the end of the day, you're not, you're an adult. You're not responsible to her anymore. You get to be your own person. But there's this, this beautiful humility that I saw in that last episode with your mom too. She's like, I've got things I can learn from you. And that's it. And that's exactly it. It's not that the older or wiser, the older have more experience. And when we're wrong, we're probably rooted a little bit more in some wisdom, but that's, that requires a nuance because those who have had less life experiences, and that's all I really can talk, chalk it up to, because I know lots of people older than me and I'm like, Ooh, don't know I'd go to that person for, for advice, but there's things that can be learned from you because there's a, a bravery, there's a willingness, there's a, a versatility that is increasingly leaving me, but through my friendship with you, I get access to. So YouTube counseling might be a thing. However, if you can get to talk with Lindsay Thompson or Helen No or a Sandra Hunt, I think you're going to do great there. And again, what I think a podcast can do, because one, it's not physical, it's, it's, aud it's audible. <laughs> I'm blowing people's minds right now. This is just learning. This is just hearing. Um, is maybe it gives a space for you to find other people not like-minded people, but other people that are invested in searching for the truth like you're talking about. And again, the spoiler is you're not going to find the truth. You're going to find a truth. And the more people you collect around you that are willing to be humble enough like that, you're going to have bigger pieces of truth. Again, that's something that a lot of Christians are very concerned about. There's going to be some real power in that. There's going to be some real wisdom in that from experiences that you personally as an individual don't have to collect. So thank you. I love whenever we have a set moment like, ah, I don't know because that's what's made this podcast so amazing. And then it leads us to what could have been the most controversial, and who knows, whoever's listening out there, maybe it is the most controversial, nine and then episode 10, because we are rolling out and we don't want to keep people forever. But uh, the house on a hill, ooh, Anita. That could, I started this one off, I was like, ooh, where's she going with this? And by the end of it, it was like, oh, she went to a good place. So the house um, this beautiful relationship with Sonia, uh, Kevin, you know, reiterating this idea of walking the path. And I just have to personally say thank you for the amazing things that you've baked for me that I've been able to eat. You are quite good at it and it is quite a gift and, and convicted me about my own lack of hospitality. The muffins were real. <laughs> the muffins, people have actually eaten those muffins. That's what we should have called this podcast. The muffins were real. Oh, that would have been good. But I really needed to get that song. That song just like haunts me. If you haven't listened to the song, go look up House on a Hill by Amanda Cook. I thought you were talking about the song Muffins Were Real. <laughs> so now for the rest of today, I'll have the Muffin Man song stuck in my head. And for those of you who are listening to this, that also will. I <laughs> deeply apologize. This is this episode chronicles a really fun chapter of the last few years where I genuinely watched myself change. It was like I had that conversation with Jesse and I was like, oh, man, I'm a 
crappy person. I should put Jesus at the center of my life. And now what happens? And, and instantly God had already been like, well, next chapter or like, okay, next location starts now. And so I come back from Guatemala and I'm in this house and it, it is not a hut on a beach. It is not a tree house in Costa Rica. It is a proper little suburban home, you know, with drywall and heating and plumbing and, um, and, and that part of me that used to idolize living on a beach or being this digital nomad, God was like, look, how about I know what's best for you? And how about you just stay here and live and figure out what it means to um, find your joy in me and following me and not all these material things. And by the way, just live in this house for now. Um, So it was really because of that house that I challenged, that I was challenged to think about, okay, what is you know, adult-ish Anita life going to be because I was also entering my 30s. And so I really have spent, any of my close friends know, like since I was 29, I've been actively thinking about what it means to turn 30. And what does it mean? What does adulting, we'll say, mean to Anita? Like it's no, if, if the way I was living in my 20s is pretty clear. It was like, okay, follow your dreams, go after your passions, like work really hard. All of that kind of led in this weird journey that is captured in this podcast. And I was like, okay, I need a new strategy for living. And and uh, number one, I don't have much on this list, but number one is Jesus is at the center. That's about all I've got. Now what? Um, and then I did what Lindsay Thompson said. I like starting to integrate. What does it mean to integrate the parts of me that I do want to keep because God isn't just like erasing the part of Anita that likes to travel, that has, that did experience really meaningful things. Um, God, God doesn't like delete those parts of Anita and just is like, okay, now 30 year old Anita start now go. He's like, no, there are parts of you. That's how I made you. Um, but what is the more mature version of that look like or the more hopefully spiritually mature version of that Anita how does she live and so the thing that just started coming up was um generosity and it was just founded in my own experience of of living on so little and being so happy and like being frustrated with the experience (laughs) sorry Dr. Robertson was bugging me or teasing me about how I say frustrated so I just said frustrated uh I just said it. I don't know how I said it, but you, yeah, uh, okay. One, I take issue with. I wasn't bugging you or teasing you about it. I just, I just noted because you were talking about. I say these words funny, and I said, and you say frustrated. You don't say. How are you supposed to say it? Frustrated, like the fr. You just, you, you just blow past the r. It's no big deal. It was because of um, that frustration. Now you're making me sound like a jerk. No, it's fine. That's our comical interlude for you. Um, If you're still listening, thanks for sticking around. And, and I just knew, so I just, I just pulled that thread. I started with muffins and it just kept snowballing and snowballing and snowballing. And, um, and now that's just this, this thing that I'm still on this journey. There are some amazing books written about Christianity or, and, and generosity and what that means in this world and, um, radical hospitality. Um, Jesse Sedirgo, my, my program director has like, is now starting courses at Tyndale about radical hospitality. And by the time you listen to this, you can go and see how, what that has involved, evolved into, but, um, generosity and hospitality might not be the exact values in Christianity or in Jesus 
that resonate with you. Maybe it's about mercy. Maybe it's about caring for the sick and the hurting. Maybe it's about fostering kids. Um, maybe it's about, um, you know, overseas. I don't, uh, <laughs> I'm not going to use that word. Maybe it's about like working in other countries. Um, like I, what I would have really, what I hope that people get from this is that it's actually okay to unpack what Christianity as a way of life means to you. Um, like what does living, um, fully and faithfully as a Christian, um, as a follower of Jesus mean to you? And it's okay that it looks like something different. Honestly, if I had gotten to pick, I, you know, I'm, when I was 12, I, I liked Florence Nightingale and I'm, I might be in Thailand working at an orphanage right now. Um, but instead I'm, I'm here, (laughs) a digital content creator who also bakes muffins and, and is on this journey of learning to live generously with God. And so it's okay to take that, to take that time out and to process and to talk to people and explore what it means to you. And, and that's what I did. And that's why I'm still around because I actually found a landing place for my mind, for my heart, just in my world, right? If I'm going to be Canadian and I'm going to live here, what does that mean? Then what does following Jesus look like to me? I don't believe that right now I'm called to like drop everything and, and go do something else. I feel that God is calling me to like keep just day by day, seeing where he leads this journey. And so um, sometimes that includes houses and muffins that can include all kinds of things, but it could also not include all kinds of things. But I think what's more important is that um, I have this sense of peace and clarity in me now, knowing that one, I know what it looks like, feels like, and sounds like when God is telling me to do something and he's leading me in a direction and he's giving me the passion to do it. And, and for me, that's enough certainty that I need to keep going. Well, then we get into uh, the episode 10. And uh, we were talking about this before, and it's just, it's so fascinating. And it was so much fun uh, for me to know what I was going through and the, you know, the goals, ambitions, desires, the calling, the, the, the pulls and the tugs. And then to have that part where you said you just came out and you just kind of like this whole idea of the entrepreneurship sort of lit you up. And then that nine months, waiting that nine months. And then I felt like, and I mean this in the best sense, I felt like a pawn in your story. And I mean that in the best sense, because that's, that's, I mean, at the end of the day, that's pretty good because it's not a pawn for you. It's a pawn in this bigger story that obviously transcends you and myself. And in this whole um, deconstruction, I think one of the things that deconstruction can actually offers is, is hopefully an increased sense of wonder and dare I say it magic in the world. There's so much uh, about, and this is what goes all the way back to episode one with, with Dr. Franklin saying, if you're just locked into the sentences or the formula, you're going to miss the magic and the wonder and the, and the surprise of a, of a providential presence bringing you to something hilariously weird and easily forgettable and not grandiose or amazing for some people it will be but for the 99.9 percent of us easily forgotten if ever seen in the first place overlooked misunderstood to borrow from malcolm gladwell and lo and behold it ends up being this sort of sacred moment of like today was the first day i sort of heard this idea i was like funny because i that timeline for you was all about that 
and it'll go back to your Marvel Universe thing. And then there's like, this feels like this other timeline, obviously the timeline of my own journey, which I'm much more aware of. And then you just sort of see the bloop and having you tell sort of like, here's the, the, the coalescing, here's the email. I remember that day I was like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fire this off and see if that happens. And then now we've obviously turned it into this meaning, to borrow from the words of Lindsay Thompson. Uh, we found we've ascribed this meaning to it and for me this is this is a big part of this is we're all meaning creating creatures and some of us find the meaning is best when we remove ourselves from these christian structures you have found um, or finding and have found meaning within uh, a sort of newer understanding of it and then for me to listen to this and hear um a different meaning of like oh that's kind of funny this this whole thing that we're trying to do has as much if not more to do with you than it does with me and that's what i mean like it was the most wonderful place to just kind of feel like a sacred pawn and be so touched humbled and honored to be a small part of that so that was a that was a cool episode that was a cool moment for me personally and i hope uh, i hope the podcast has given cool moments like that for other people if for nothing no other reason that at least you can listen to somebody else's story and be like all right and start thinking about how they can start telling their own stories uh, of deconstruction, of faithfulness in, in a whole variety of ways and and start creating their own narratives. So that's to you, listener. That is your big homework is start embracing these narratives of your life with God, um, walking away from the church, wherever you end up, making shoes, making Instagram, making content, making lunches. Muffins. Making, <laughs> making muffins. It's, it's, this for me is is the point of the show why it's titled this it's like heavenly minded and earthly good these things are not mutually exclusive this all is together and and we didn't know that this is where this story was going to go because you are a human being <laughs> spoiler alert i'm i'm really dropping the uh, the profound bombs right now but you're a human being and human beings are profoundly um unpredictable and did not know how much your life, and maybe this is in the back of your mind as you edited and created this stuff, but how much your life was going to reflect this whole idea of heavenly minded, earthly good. Um, it's not just about, like you said, getting to some other universe, some other what we call heaven or the kingdom or anything like that. It is profoundly becoming aware of the fact that the kingdom is so alive here and there's much earthly good to be done. And we see God so clearly, as you stated so beautifully, in the sky in the trees and the dirt and the people around us and all these different things so i really found in this episode there's this great sort of sense of that it's not that the heavenly spirit is guiding you know the earthly stuff that they're somehow disconnected that this is all part of god's plan dare i say it i don't know yeah as, as we get to the end i get a little bit more philosophical and weird <laughs> This is it. Like there are, when I was living this journey, I did not know that one day I would get to or be able to weave it all together into something like this podcast that would make it kind of coherent, right? Each of each of these little moments were like, honestly, moments, an hour or two or 20 minutes, or maybe at most like three days, you know, a muffin project would maybe take me three or four days and then it would pass and then I get on to the next thing. Um, this has really left me with a sense like God is working in all those details. You know, just God, God is working in 
um, details from 15 years ago in my life that are still being played out now. And the life that I live now and the things I'm working on now, this is not the end game or even like the way that Christianity makes sense to me now. This is not the end game. There is still so much more to learn, so much more to grow into. There's more people to meet, more things to make, more muffins to give, like who knows? And for me, I've just come to see that having Jesus as a part of that life and not just as a parter, but like as a pillar um, is a really good thing to have in my life. And I feel very comforted knowing that like there are people who are also crazy enough to put Jesus at the center of their life. And it doesn't mean that everything is going to work out. It doesn't mean I'll be some like super successful business person or uh, like we just don't know how things are going to play out. But what we do know that we're all going to die. <laughs> and what I do know is that if I devote my life or I give my life to Jesus and I let him take control, so far he has proven himself um, to be so much better at creating a beautiful, meaningful, sacrificial, giving life. He's way better at doing that than I can. And so that's why I'm still here. Fantastic. Yeah, I mean... I think what got me into this was, uh, I'll be honest, like a fear of hell. And in the past few years, the question of who goes to heaven, who goes to hell has become the least interesting thing about the faith to me. So in our last few minutes, what are, you know, of our last few minutes of our, of our first season, any sort of last tips, tricks, tools that you want the listeners to listen to before we, uh, we wrap it up? And again, like Anita said earlier, thank you for listening. If you still are, we're at an hour and a half. So let's really wrap this up in a couple minutes. Most of our notes we've been covered. Uh, so I think that's pretty good. We did have notes for this one. I think, I think growing in self-awareness is the best thing that you can do for yourself or, you know, alongside that growing in God awareness, which will help you grow in self-awareness. Because the practical things I could give you that have helped me, you know, things like journaling or learning to take care of yourself, it all boils down to knowing how God made you and what it actually means for you to thrive. I think what's clear to me is like, um, God doesn't expect me to pour myself out at a rate where I'm going to burn out in three years and, and then it'll take me five years to recover. Um, God doesn't, God knows how you're created and only he knows the exact ways that you are perfect and whole. Um, and beautifully and fearfully and wonderfully made. I had to throw that in there. Um, but only he knows the exact ways that you are also broken, right? I can name things. And this podcast has named some of the different ways that we do get broken, whether it's through our families, through church, psychological, cognitive, uh, blind spots. But only God knows the exact ways that you're broken. And I and I believe that if you let him and if you give yourself that time, he will show you and he'll slowly heal you and or you know or put you back together again or reshape you like there's so many different analogies find the one that works for you and let yourself go through that process I think it would be the saddest thing for us to or this is what I did I was like okay well I'm gonna figure out the best life for me and I'm gonna go try and make it happen by sheer will and um, and through all the first world resources, right? Let me get every app, every book, every digital course, every degree, um, every coach. Um, but that's not going to work. And um, we can only do that to a certain point. So um, 
If anything, I feel like God would just invite you on this journey. Live your own version of discovering what heavenly-minded, earthly good looks like uh, in your life, and you're probably already living in your own version of heavenly-minded, earthly good. So explore it, dive into it, like chronicle it if you want, um, but let it be as sacred as I hope this podcast has meant to you. Mm, cool. And get an education. Get educated. I mean, I'm, I was so happy to hear about the frustrating 800-page books and the frustrating, why am I studying this? This is pointless. Oh, listeners, it's such an important part to get into that frustrating community of education, to be challenged and to have uh, all sorts of stuff pushed into your face. And, and yeah, a vast majority of it you may never use. Uh, but there is a discipline there. There's a bit ability to critically think and to move past just one that you're just going through this, which is what this whole podcast has been about, is you're not alone. But you're also not alone in the fact that you happen to be alive right now. There's people who've come before you that have prof provided profound wisdom and guidance and, and insights. And there's people around who have dedicated their lives to learning a very small section of reality in order to find the best and most active ways to communicate that to you. And third, it sort of brings us, I don't even know if I said a second, but whatever, we'll say third. Third, it does bring us out of this, what what I see is just like the epitome of individualism is you do you and I do me and da, 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 da. It's like, there is something more to this because as Nita's powerfully demonstrated, this um, God journey is not just about you. It ends up being about way more than you ever expected it to be. And it's so good. Of course, we all know that head knowledge is not sufficient, but that's, that's not what we're talking about. It's not just head knowledge, but it's about gaining the wisdom that other people can offer you. People that are dedicated to this and will challenge you to do things that you may not do on your own and wouldn't do unless you had to. But that is a powerful um, humility that will bless you benefit you and grow you this whole podcast hasn't been about oh thank goodness anita ended up at tyndale and now she has an mdiv and now everything's going to make sense of course not but it was a thread in there it was a core in there that that moved this thing along and so continue to educate yourself know the world know thyself and in that you're going to learn so much more about god so now that you're almost at this mdiv what are you going to do with this mdiv now that you are a master of divinity a master of the cosmos a master of of all things divine well now that i have figured out that everything that i don't need to be a pastor to serve god mm -hmm. and now that i have figured out that i don't need to do all the typical christian things mm -hmm. maybe i'll just i don't know Make a podcast? Make a podcast. Or maybe, dare we say it, a web series? Who knows? Who knows? The sky's the limit. Um, so if you are listening to this, we do hope that you enjoyed this podcast. If you've made it all the way to the final minutes of season one of Heavenly Minded Earthly Good and you found it something meaningful and you want to help us share it, tell your friends about it, share the links. Um, you can find out more about Tyndale University, obviously at Tyndale.ca, but you can also help us out by leaving a, 
leaving a review on your favorite podcasting platform, whether that's Apple Podcasts or Google Play, wherever you listen. Um, leave us a review or find us on Instagram. I'm at Anita Wingley. He's... I think James Tyler Robertson. Yeah. I, I should have answered. He's bad at Instagram. <laughs> I don't, for now, th those are ways you can find us and, and leave us comments. We'd love to hear from you. And stay tuned. In the winter of 2023, you're going to get, what are we going to call this? Season bonus season? What do you want to call it? Like a season one and a half. A, yes. Season bonus season 1.5. Alpha Omega. <laughs> Nope. We'll just say bonus season 1.5. We are going to be releasing some of the full interviews with our special guests this season. So you've heard from guests every single episode, and we obviously didn't include the entire interview. I often couldn't even include a quarter of the full interview, but these were amazing conversations I got to have with some mentors, leaders in my life, some of um, people who've been meaningful in Dr. Robertson's life. So we're going to be releasing the full episodes, or sorry, the full interviews, so that you can hear those and, and learn from all of their insights as well. Um, those will be coming out in the next couple weeks slash months. We'll say winter 2023. Yeah. And then for another timeline, drumroll please. In the fall, also of 2023. Hang on a second, let me do this better. <clears throat> in a world known as fall 2023, questions will be raised. Adventures will take place as we welcome back heavenly minded, earthly good, Season two, The Reckoning. T title to be decided, but I just felt like The Reckoning. Oh, that sounded good, right? The Reckoning sounded pretty good. We have to. The Reckoning. Ooh. But we'll spell it with like a W at the beginning. Yes, the Reckoning. Oh, you get it? Yes, like a wrecking ball. Yeah, we're going to be unpacking new topics. Uh, now that we've gotten my story out of the way, we can get into some of. Some of the, there, there was an entire list of things that I wanted to bring into this that didn't make the cut. And we're going to be looking at some of them, as many of them as we can fit into season two. Well, that's it. That's the end of season one, Heavenly Minded, Earthly Good. If you've paid attention for over an hour and a half now, I give you, I think we'll both give you a round of applause. Yeah. A deep thank you to all of our special guests who gave of their time and in invested in this. Thank you, listeners, uh, for supporting us. Uh, thank you, Tyndale University, the Department of Distributed Learning, and uh, not most importantly, but I think most importantly, to you, Anita, for sharing your story and walking us through 11 episodes of your journey through deconstruction. Can't wait to see what happens for you next. Well, since this is a christian institution i can i can hand off the ac final accolades to god and say i mean there wouldn't be much of a story if there wasn't a god that was leading it all he is a very good storyteller and apparently according to you a very handsome painter as well <laughs> yeah you should get to know him <laughs> i will ladies and gentlemen boys and girls saints and scholars Heavenly Minded, Earthly Good is a production of Tyndale University. Thank you for listening to season one and the final word to Anita. That's my line. Heavenly Minded, Earthly Good is a production of Tyndale University. Visit our website for more details. For more information, I think, is what I actually say. Mm -hmm.